Welcome to the Trad Dads Podcast, where we examine cultural and political issues through the lens of traditional thought. Recently on one of my YouTube video comment sections, I got a request to discuss a video debate uh, between a couple of, uh, I guess, famous YouTubers. And um, the, the debate is about three hours long, but I will provide a link to that uh, in addition to the timestamp that... Um, that my listener uh, requested that I start listening. And the the debate that they were having was kind of a discussion of um, some big macroeconomic uh, issues that are, um, you know, that are relevant all the time. But uh, I struggled when I saw that comment, I struggled to kind of figure out what kind of context to put that in, in terms of, you know, this video or this, this uh, episode. Um, you know, is there didn't seem to be some kind of pressing issue or something like that, that I could really, um, you know, wrap this around, um, or, uh, you know, sort of overarching, uh, change to the way things are going. So now that there has been, uh, such a change, um, I want to, I want to start off by just kind of giving a brief overview of what these two people were discussing and then, um, get into, uh, kind of my thoughts on what was said and and what's actually changing and what we're seeing now that's relevant to the discussion they were having. So the discussion they were having was about the way the uh, the bailout um, occurred back in 2008, 2009, uh, you know, recession, financial crisis. And the, um, the host was sort of defending the way that the federal government handled things. And the person calling in was complaining that, um, you know, the, that things could have been done differently, that there wasn't a, a quote unquote main street bailout. There wasn't, uh, you know, help for the little guy. And a couple of points that struck me there was that the, uh, the caller, the guy calling in, um, kind of, I, I think, you know, he, he has a very rosy view of the way China operates. Um, I don't trust any Chinese economic data. It doesn't, it, there's no reason to believe it's more real than anything coming out of North Korea or, uh, the Soviet union back in the day. Um, it, there, there is no reason to believe, uh, any information that those people give you because the Chinese communist party is an oppressive, uh, evil regime. So, um, that that aspect of it, I thought, was kind of silly because he's he's praising the China he's praising the Chinese Communist Party and saying, oh, see the the way they do things, uh, you know, uh, they came out of the recession so much better than everyone else, and it's like, yeah, well, you don't know that. Uh, we don't know what the conditions are like there because their data is is just not believable. So there's that, um, and then and then the second thing, um, they were they were having a discussion about this bailout stuff. And the, the host is, is saying, like, the reason that the bailout went to these large companies is because only these large financial institutions can turn around the um, can, can turn around the, these large quantities of money in a short period of time with the Federal Reserve. Uh, you know, so the, the Federal Reserve, um, you know, provides these this loan backstop. Right. They're the lender of last resort. Um, and. Um, only these large financial institutions are equipped to work with the Fed. Um, 
you know, so I think there's an element of truth there because there is a risk component. You know, the Federal Reserve is, is technically a private entity. It's owned by um, its member banks. And um, I mean, well, at least until about a month ago. <laughs> uh, I'll get into that in a second. But the, the Federal Reserve is, is a banking entity. Uh, it is not a central bank, right? The U.S. does not have a central bank um, like other countries do. And um, so the fact that it's a private lending entity, it has to worry about risk or it has to worry more about risk than, uh, you know, than a central bank would necessarily. Um, so it, I think it was it, it's, it's interesting to, um, you know, point out that, yeah, OK, at the time, you know, that these uh, these bailout uh, this bailout stuff was only you know, maybe relevant to, uh, these larger institutions because they were able to, uh, you know, sort of move around large amounts of money in short periods of time. Uh, and so I think, you know, the host was probably correct about that to an extent, but there, there's nothing saying that that has to be the way it is. And with the current CCP virus issue that we're dealing with now, we're actually seeing that be uh, sort of manifest in reality. And um, I just want to provide a few comments about what has happened um, in the last uh, few weeks here with the legislation and the way President Trump has um, uh, sort of treated the relationship between the Treasury, the U.S. Treasury, um, and the Federal Reserve, and uh, is really extraordinary. Uh, and so, keep in mind too that you know I, this is not my my area of specialization, um, and so I'm probably going to miss some details or or some you know other interesting tidbits. But I want to at least give an overview of kind of the way I see what has happened here and um, the implications for it. Um, and so, in general, I think what has happened is that we have made a large move toward um, actually having a central bank in the United States. Um, the Federal Reserve's role has always been to facilitate uh, liquidity for banks, so to, to facilitate uh, you know, money transfers between these large banks and to um, serve as what we call a lender of last resort. And so if a bank gets into uh, liquidity trouble, they get into financial trouble, um, then the Federal Reserve is there to sort of uh, help them out. Um, now, it's not that they don't pay a price for that. I mean, on the market, they, uh, you know, they certainly don't, um, you know, I mean, just just like anybody, um, you know, any any business that, you know, needs some kind of uh, assistance, you know, that would affect their stock price um, and stuff like that. And so there was always a price paid for that. But the fact is the Federal Reserve was there to try to facilitate, um, you know, liquidity and, and transfers between these banks and to sort of serve as um, someone, you know, as, as, as this, uh, this backstop for these large institutions. And it was never intended and it was never made to do what a lot of the you know, the populist types, uh, and I would count myself among that group, um, really wanted them to do, which is to serve more as a central bank where um, they are actually uh, uh, providing liquidity to other types of companies like uh, uh, state governments, municipal governments, uh, small businesses, medium-sized businesses, etc. 
Um, but what we're seeing with the recent, you know, and over the last month or so, and this is being recorded on uh, April 8th, um, we're seeing the Federal Reserve sort of tie itself to the Treasury and essentially become a central bank. So the, the, and the reason for this is so that they can provide some of the lending that, um, that the recent legislation to deal with the CCP virus has provided, which is to, um, you know, to, to provide all these, these loans, um, uh, and, and the Fed has a facilitating role in that, um, and to, um, you know, these loans to small businesses, medium-sized businesses, and to uh, state and municipal governments. Um, and it, it's it's such an interesting kind of thing because you're seeing this move from a very risk um, risk-based uh, perspective, right? So, um, you know, central banks, or excuse me, the, the Federal Reserve, you know, was was um, I mean, until until 2008, the Federal Reserve was essentially trading in um, government treasury bonds and and a lot of times in very, very short term securities, uh, like 30 days and stuff like that. But um, then when they started buying mortgage backed securities, uh, which is a whole other, um, you know, this is where we talk about bundling. Uh, you know, we take a bunch of mortgages and you bundle them up and then you, you, uh, split them into risk tranches and, uh, and you, and you sell securities based on those mortgages, right? So people make their mortgage payments and that provides a cash flow. And then that cash flow gets put into this security, which is kind of like a bond. Um, and, and it pays out as a cash flow for whoever bought that loan or that loan tranche, um, and so, you know, the Federal Reserve got into that market for a while. Um, and um, so, you know, that, that was kind of an interesting shift all by itself, just into these mortgage-backed securities that weren't just government securities, right? So that, that, was, a, that was a big shift in their risk profile. Um, but what I think we're going to see with this is we're actually going to see them moving into, um, you know, state and local governments and into smaller businesses um, and in which, you know, those things are, those securities, those, those loans are going to have a lot higher risk potentially than these mortgage-backed securities did or than certainly than federal government treasuries do. Um, and so it's, to me, this is a move towards a central bank perspective. Now, that doesn't mean that central banks don't have any kind of, uh, they're not concerned about risk at all. Of course they are, and and the Bank for International Settlements uh, certainly has guidelines for uh, you know the way central banks operate. But um, it is is certainly a shift uh, towards uh, the central bank model, where you know our Federal Reserve is is, is more and more of a government entity. Um, and so just to get into some of the specifics of. Um, what's what's been going on here and what we're going to see. Um, and, and, and always in reference, I think, to the 2008, 2009, uh, you know, recession financial crisis, because, um, you know, that was the last time when we had this big shift. And, and now the shift is, is moving even farther, you know. And so at the time, you know, in 2008, 2009, what we saw was, uh, you know, there was there was the, 
the $787 billion, you know, TARP bailout uh, that went to, you know, a lot of these large companies like GM and, and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of this was, well, a lot of the help supposedly was lower interest rates, right? And what we saw is that those low interest rates did not result in consumer price inflation, but they did result in asset inflation, right? We basically got, um, you know, what a lot of the perma bears call uh, the everything bubble, right? Where uh, these low rates for such a long period of time just inflated asset markets big time. And so we what we discovered was that, you know, the, the Federal Reserve just um, you know, sort of cranking out liquidity you know, the the old school models would have said that that would have resulted in massive price inflation, but we didn't get it. In fact, we've had very little price inflation over that time period. But what it did was that that liquidity went into the asset markets and those low interest rates drove up asset prices. And so um, what we actually see now is, is so thinking from like an inequality perspective that this kind of model of just pushing rates down and and providing liquidity to large banks and large financial institutions facilitates uh, an exacerbation of inequality. And so we get, uh, you know, because these, the, the low rate thing helps you more the larger your asset base is. So the little guy doesn't necessarily get helped out as much. I mean, yeah, okay, your retirement portfolio and your pension and stuff. And so, and yeah, that's important. But we're, you know, when you're talking about somebody who's, you know, uh, a billionaire or, you know, a hundred millionaire and has lots of money and assets that those zero interest rates or those very low interest rates help them a lot more than they help, you know, the average working person, right? The average white collar or blue collar person. Um, and so what we're seeing, I think, is an, another shift. And this shift is actually going from a Wall Street based bailout. Um, and, and of course, they're going to get this bailout, too. Right. We're going to get low rates. We're going to get, um, you know, liquidity facilitation for large banks. All that stuff's going to happen, too. I think I think right now I, I don't think that's set in stone, but. But there is going to be that bailout for those guys. But this time, I think what's different is we are getting the bailout for the average person as well. I mean, obviously, we're getting the Trump bucks checks, which are supposed to roll out uh, sometime in the next week or uh, week and a half, according to Larry Kudlow. Um, and so that sort of, you know, of course, that's being also being facilitated to an extent by the Fed. Uh, you know, because again, the Fed and the Treasury are now being tied together uh, almost completely, right? Secretary Mnuchin, um, Secretary of the Treasury, has a lot more influence at the Fed than previous Treasury secretaries have. And so the question is um, I think, you know, is why are we seeing this? Why is this happening this time? And I think what, what, what is happening, I, I think it's two things. I think it's number one. The, uh, the the corporate Dems have been pushed into a corner by the Bernie AOC wing of their party, the the um, the, the the Democratic Socialist crowd, 
uh, as they call themselves, um, has has pushed Pelosi and the rest of the corporate Dems into this, um, you know, perspective that they have to they have to worry about the little guy. They can't just be concerned about their donors uh, and, and stuff like that. You know, the, the Wall Street types and, and the large firms. Uh, so so there's that part. And then the other thing is that we've also seen, obviously, the Trump movement, you know, Brexit, uh, you know, sort of worldwide or at least Western uh, Western populism uh, on the rise um, on the right as well. And so it's sort of like, you know, there's there's this realization that you have to worry about the corporate side. Right. And Trump has talked about this. Right. It's like. You know, Boeing and GM, they employ thousands and thousands of people, right? So, you know, obviously you can't, I mean, what are you going to do? Just completely dismantle these companies and then put everybody that works there on the dole? Well, that doesn't work, right? I mean, these people are, you know, they're maybe they're not paying enough or, you know, you can have some criticism of them, but they are providing jobs. I mean, so it's not that you, you, um, you know, and, and again, the CCP virus is not their fault, right? This isn't like the 2008, uh, you know, bailout where, you know, you can you can put some kind of blame on these companies. Um, so it's a little different in that scenario too. But what I think you're seeing on the on Trump's side is he, you know, he's recognizing that you, know, you got to help the big guys because the big guys employ a lot of people. But you've also because he has his populist leanings, you've also got to provide something for the little guy too. And so it's, it's really interesting, I think, to see um, all of this stuff kind of come together. And, um, you know, this is a big shift. And, and you know, I don't really want to try to forecast, um, you know, what's going to happen here as far as, uh, you know, with this new regime for our uh, Federal Reserve being tied so much more closely to the Treasury like a central bank would be. Um, you know, much more officially operated by the government and not, and not so much, um, privately. Uh, and, and there's always been a tie, right? I mean, the president always appoints the, the chair of the federal reserve and stuff like that. So it's always been this kind of, uh, you know, weird corporate, uh, federal government partnership kind of thing, but, um, certainly an interesting, uh, development. And, and I think, uh, you know, in a way, potentially a good thing from a sort of, um, you know, populist standpoint and, and potentially from a Catholic social teaching standpoint too, I think, um, certainly, uh, it's, it's good that we're seeing, you know, it, it, you know, given the necessity of this, uh, this type of extraordinary action. Um, I mean, it's, it's certainly a good thing that, that some of that money is going to go to, uh, you know, state municipal governments and, um, to, to, uh, smaller businesses and stuff like that. Uh, so I, I want to thank you for listening. And if you want to support the show, um, just uh, download the show on your favorite podcast app. Cause I've got, I've got an ad that rolls through there and, and that counts if, uh, if you listen on a podcast platform. Uh, otherwise I really enjoy your feedback and your comments and your requests for episodes. I've got a couple more I got to get through. Um, but I always welcome those. So please leave them on, you know, YouTube comments or leave me an audio message on, on, uh, on, uh, anchor or hit me up on Twitter or Facebook, uh, at trad dads on Twitter, um, or on the Facebook page. So I appreciate it. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the trad dads podcast. If you enjoyed our show, 
please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and consider giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. It really helps us out.